team, and we're delighted to be here for a two-hour show. And it's Jason who put that theme together. It is, the marvelous wizard that he is. Actually, that was sort of a collaboration between Andre Louis and me. He's just an amazing guy. Jeff sent it to me on the phone a little earlier, and I thought, holy mackerel, this is great. I was, uh, I went to the dentist and I was doing my, I walk about, try to walk between three and four miles a day. And I was doing a big loop and I got to the big hill and I turned the theme on and I ran up the hill. It was I was awesome. going to say. <laughs> it was, it was awesome. Lifted it was, your it was step. Great. Yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Well, wow. You. you know, we, we did this main menu live thing many, many moons ago and now we have all yeah. new technology and we're using, you know, zoom webinar and it's just fantastic. And you know, when, uh, when I wanted to bring this back, one of the one of the first companies that I thought that we wanted to make sure that we had was, you know, Vespero because because of just the tremendous work that they continue to do in this space and especially how they're changing lives right now during this pandemic and truly making a difference in the area of accessibility. And I'm delighted that we have, I think, pretty much the entire company represented. There may be a little bit of things not talked about here, but I think we're going to cover a lot. So I'm going to go over the agenda here real quick and just kind of let people know. Um, and then we're going to toss it around and have everybody introduce themselves. And then we're going to get right into the meat of this thing. So tonight we're going to hear first from Rachel and Eric, and they're going to talk to us all about software. So everything from JAWS to, you know, uh, a fusion and training and all kinds of great stuff. There's some, some great things in there. And I actually really love the the webinars. There was one just recently on cursors, which was just fantastic. If you hadn't had a chance to to uh, hear that, then you know definitely do that when it's up on the website if it's not already there. Then we're going to turn to TPG, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, how the world is handling uh, a COVID situation from an accessibility perspective and some of the challenges about that. And we're going to focus a little bit about web accessibility. And uh, and Larry and uh, Ryan are going to be here to, to help us through that. And then, and then it's shipping, folks. It's shipping. It's exciting. The, the L Braille is finally out to customers. And I know John and Larry have, have theirs at, at their houses. And uh, they won't let, let me come over because I, I would end up, you know, um, making it disappear. Just kidding, John. Kind, Wait a minute. Kind, Wait, kind it was of, here a minute kind ago. Of, kind of, kind of. And uh, Ron's going to be here for the full hour where we're going to dive deep into this device because I personally have lots of questions about it. So um, yeah. So Larry, why don't you take it from here, man? We are delighted. John and I especially are delighted because these are people that we've worked with now for a couple of years as well. And we've been JAWS users for I don't know, since 97 or 98. So we see them every year at CSUN. Uh, and I haven't seen them since CSUN. It's been a very interesting time period right after that. But we're delighted to have with us both Eric Damery and also Rachel Buchanan, voices that you know, voices that you've heard, Eric, for a very long time. And, and of course, Rachel, through the wonderful work that she does with regard to the training and the webinars and the YouTube, etc. And we want to talk a little bit tonight about Vespero, what has happened to Vespero, what's happening as a result of the pandemic a little bit. But first of all, let's uh, let's have you uh, say hello and welcome to Main Menu. Go ahead, Rachel. All right. Well, thank you so much for having us. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for inviting us. Yep. Um, do you want us to introduce ourselves? or? Sure, sure. Okay. Just in case there's somebody who may not know who you are. Uh, yeah. That. 
that's true. Although I do recognize some of the names and some on our list here, and mm-hmm. I'm really glad you guys are here. So my name is Rachel Buchanan, as you said, and I've been with Vespero about two years now and work with the user education and outreach team, which covers like training and documentation, anything related to our products and how you might learn them or um, get information about them. So that's in a nutshell. And Eric, who needs no introduction? (laughs) I'm Eric Damry, the vice president of software product management and been around too many years um, to, to go back to, but uh, I'm delighted to be back here at ACB radio and main menu. And, uh, we, you know, I can remember so many years ago doing this with Jonathan Mosen when I first met him. Uh, I think I met him right here on uh, main oh, menu. Yeah. Yeah. And we had some fantastic discussions back in those days and a lot of things have changed since then. And, uh, just thrilled to be here to talk to you guys. And like everybody else, we're all spread around the country in various locations, etc. But through the, the magic of Zoom and uh, other kinds of technology, it sounds like we're all in the same room together. So we're here for a couple of hours to talk a little bit about Vespero. And, and maybe uh, we could begin, Eric, by asking you what's been happening with Vespero, especially in light of the pandemic. Yeah, so... As, as many of you know, we did attend the CSUN convention back in the middle of March. Um, it was right about the time when things were really starting to hit the fan and the, the bigger companies made the call about a week before the conference started that they would pull out. And um, we had a lot of plans already in place. And frankly, to be honest, those of us who were planning to be at it um, really wanted to be at it. Uh, we you know, we look forward to that con- conference. I've been doing that for 25 years. And and so we went as a company. And when we returned, um, it was, you know, at that point already decided you're in quarantine. And we went into a shutdown almost immediately here in the state of Florida. So we were very fortunate to be able to fly back from California to our homes, Rachel in Texas, and I'm here in Florida. And uh, we uh, immediately went into working from home. And that's where everybody's been since, as, as the rest of you have. So we adapted. And one of the first things we did was put the engineering team together and say, we got to come up with a solution where we can make software readily available to all of our customers who either have been using software in their education at school or maybe using the software at work. And while they might have something at home, we don't know what they're going to have. We want to make sure they have the most current stuff. So we went right to work and we created a portal version um, that would run through the month of June and made it available for free to everyone in the United States and Canada um, for use on their home computers. And uh, had, you know, I can't tell you how many thousands exactly, but we had an awful lot of people take advantage of this. And uh, outside of the United States and Canada, our distribution channel worked with our international sales team and they immediately started distributing 90 day licenses because we haven't extended the portal out into the other countries at this point. So we really weren't set up for that, but we have the 90 day licenses, the ILMs, and those were uh, issued through the different channels and, and in each market it was handled a little, little bit differently, but uh, I know we accommodated a lot of people. So it's been very, it's been very uh, good and promising. Uh, I think uh, it, listening to Rachel's team with the with the Zoom uh, presentations, things that we used to get 
30 or 40 people to participate in, we're getting two and 300 people participating in now. Yeah. So everybody's getting comfortable. You know, I just want to say, uh, Eric, and you and I talked a little bit about this uh, b- before we got on on the air. Um, I want to really personally thank you for the commitment that you have made to the accessibility community to make this magic happen. Um, and, it, and it speaks to the, the, the quality and the, the character of the company that you've done this. And I, I for one, just want to publicly thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart that you've done that. It, yep, well, you I'm truly sure. are changing lives, not, not just by producing the products that you do, but by doing what you did. And I just wanted to say thank you. Yep. Well, uh, you know, I can't tell you, the whole team was so excited to think and talk about what we were going to do and strategize on it. And we turned the whole thing around in less than six or seven days, I think. So there was a whole bunch of people that jumped through a lot of hoops to make it happen quickly. Is there anything, uh, Eric, that, that you haven't been able to do because of the pandemic that you're looking forward to doing in the future? Well, you know, the, the, the direct collaboration with the team members, I think uh, I, I miss that a bit. You know, so we, we have a big office there in Clearwater and uh, with an open floor plan and everybody is together in one room. So I'm there and uh, a good portion of our developers are all in that room and uh, it's very easy to sit down and collaborate directly with somebody and and you can't you can't replace that with the phone and with zoom yeah Um, so i I do kind of miss that aspect of it and not that not that we don't get things done this way because we have been Uh, we had been before the pandemic because a lot of our developers are in different locations scattered throughout the u.s and even in some other countries so we, Have you been told managed. when you might be able to start moving back to the office? I, you know, they did start to open up Florida. I think they're into a phase two. And I know they've been working on updating a floor plan to see how many people we can get back in safely. And uh, so they're kind of rearranging the office. And while we all have a cubicle and we're all within three feet of each other, that's going to mean that we probably can't have everybody come back. But uh, I, I would imagine in the month of June, Uh, the office is going to be starting to open up and we'll get some people back in there. You know, the summer shows are usually a mainstay, uh, not only in the blindness community, but to the vendors as well, ACB, NFB, et cetera, sight and sound. Um, What does that mean for you guys this summer? What will you be able to do in light of what we're all dealing with still? Yep. And this, you know, the summer shows are the things that, that many of us look forward to the most throughout the course of the year. I, I love going to the conventions. I love interacting with a large group of people that come and, and everybody is usually pretty educated about this stuff, but they're interested to know more and they're interested to help us push the envelope a bit with the technology. So that's a good opportunity to sit and meet and talk with people. Uh, this year is going to be different, obviously, and uh, I know that uh, the team there at ACB is working on putting together a program um, where companies like Vespero and others obviously are going to participate and uh, see what we can bring to the table to, to inform people, uh, provide them some education on how to do some things, and I know that we're going to have an opportunity to, to have a big uh you know, open meeting with people to participate on Zoom and get questions and get the experts all there on Zoom with them. So we'll, uh, we're going to have a good time and we're going to take care of uh, people with some specials this summer too, I think. 
let's I know that there's an update coming out in June and there's some cool things that uh, some of us have seen being on the beta list and you've talked about some of them. So maybe there are a couple of features that are especially interesting and should be important to, to the people who are actually going to be taking advantage of that update. And maybe we can talk about those. Yep. Well, the update uh, we hope will, will hit right around the middle of the month in June. That's kind of the schedule now. Sometimes these things can slip a week, but uh, we, we've been pretty good about it. So you should look for it somewhere around the 15th to the 20th. And two tidbits I'll tell you about that are coming in this one. Uh, the first is uh, something I like to refer to as uh, your, your sound, your, your headphones or your sound card is not quite waking up on time. So you would, uh, if, you, if you've done this with a Bluetooth set of headphones or you've got a particular sound card in your computer and you run your screen reader and you're on some text and you hit the right arrow and it doesn't say anything, you hit it again and all of a sudden it starts to talk. So there's like a hesitation. And what's causing this is some of the, the technology without going into it too much. Basically, it's shutting itself down to conserve battery life uh, and then waking up when it when it gets a signal to do something and uh and so if you were in this situation you basically had to go get a different headset or a different sound card and plug it in because it really wasn't usable so we've come up with a solution to solve this and i don't know exactly the magic that these guys pulled off in engineering but somehow they're sending some background noise that nobody will hear to the sound device to keep it active and it's something that you can, you'll be able to turn on in the settings center. So if you don't have this problem, you wouldn't necessarily turn it on, but uh, it'll make those earbuds or whatever it was you were using that had that problem, it'll take care of it. And I know they're working out an issue right now related to uh, people who use audio ducking in the same scenario. I think something came up uh, that's been yeah, talked about on the beta list. And I, mm-hmm. think we, uh, I think we've already got that worked out down too, so. We couldn't figure out why, but all of a sudden I noticed the volume dropped significantly. Yep. And then later on, about two minutes later, it popped back in. Yeah. So well, I'm glad to hear that. They've got that resolved. You guys should watch for that fix. And uh, anyone who's been experiencing this problem, you might want to pull your headsets back out and try them again after the June update. Now, the other thing uh, is something I've been talking about and promising customers for two or three years and uh, it looks like we are going to make the June update with it. It's called the Braille and Text Viewer. Now, someone out there might say, wait a minute, there was a Braille Viewer in the software. Well, this is an all-new Braille Viewer. And one of the things that people have asked us for in the past and uh, we've wanted to get in is the ability for us to display two lines in the Braille Viewer, one line with the Braille dot representation and one line with the text associated with the Braille dots and link them together. So a sighted TBI or parent or anyone looking over your shoulder will be able to see what the Braille representation is that you might be using on a Braille display in front of you. They'll be able to see the dots raised and see what those dots represent in text and uh, follow along with you. And I think, you know, this will be important uh, for a, a couple of key things that I can think of. One is for a script writer, somebody who is sighted, who writes scripts for someone who's visually impaired, while they can verify that it said the right thing, uh, JAWS is a very powerful product in the sense that in a job environment like a call center, 
you might be hearing one thing, but having something different displayed on the Braille line so that like maybe the account or, or uh, a credit card information might be on your Braille display so you can read that back to the person. And that wouldn't necessarily be spoken by JAWS. It's just sent to the display. So the scriptwriter needs to be able to verify what they're getting. And by having it up there on the Braille viewer, they will be able to do it. The other place where I think this is really powerful is for a TVI, and especially in today's world. So a TVI connects with Zoom with a student somewhere and has the student share the screen. If this student's using Braille and you're verifying or helping them in conjunction with the Braille, the TVI will now be able to see the Braille dots that the student is working with and the corresponding text associated with it. So uh, I, th I think those are a couple of good cases. Now, for those of you who are JAWS users who say, oh great, I can't wait to get my hands on that Braille viewer, you won't be able to because the Braille viewer is gonna present itself above the windows. It basically resizes your windows, puts itself up above it, and you will not necessarily interact with it at all. You'll be able to turn it on, you'll be able to go into the settings in the menu system and adjust how the, how the things are represented as far as font, point size, colors, things like that, but you will not actually move focus to the Braille viewer. So it's just for someone who's sighted looking at the screen to be able to participate. And on the Fusion side, while you may not be using Braille, uh, the text viewer, you can just put a text viewer window up there and then whatever text you're actually reading, like on a web page, will be sent to that text viewer. And you as a user can define how big you want that text to be, what color you want it to be presented in. And then no matter where you're reading virtually or in a document with the cursor, in conjunction with the, the ability to see the cursor on your screen, you'll also be able to have the text that's being read instantly in that text viewer. And you can reposition the window to the top or the bottom as well. So anyway, that's the Braille and text viewer. And I'm really excited about it. So uh, watch for that in June. Looking That's forward awesome. to it. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask Rachel a question uh, about training and the resources that are happening there. Can you give us an update on some of the new things that are posted and what people might be able to take advantage of there? Sure. Um, you mentioned the cursors webinar and that is up. If anyone wants to check out that archive, you can find our archives page at uh, freedomscientific.com slash webinars. And so all of our previous trainings are there and we've done a lot of good ones recently. And I'll, I'll give you a little bit of sneak peek about what's coming up in the future, but there is that one on cursors. Last month, we talked about how to use Surf's Up as a teaching tool, either with someone else or, you know, if you're um, a TVI or with some or teaching yourself. If it's if you're doing more of a self-paced refresher of skills or learning how to navigate the Internet for the first time. So coming up in June, we're going to be doing setting up your perfect working environment in Fusion. And we're really going to be going into the speech settings, the magnification settings, and just setting up a great, unique working environment, customizing it so it's perfect for whatever your visual acuity is. And then um, coming up in the fall, we are going to have some more stuff in July, but there's a lot of things coming up around um, conference time. So I won't talk about any of that yet, but in the fall, we are going to be rolling out a new course for teachers on introducing them to AT because we know that you know teachers who work with kids who are blind and low vision don't always get that much AT training so we're going to be rolling out a new course but I think everyone will enjoy it it'll be geared towards teachers but there'll be a lot of good content in it excellent 
we should mention also again that that these webinars are free. Oh, All yes. of them are now. So yep. you can go either watch them or listen to them live, or you can go back and uh, download them once they're archived. Right, and there's MP3s and MP4s. If you just want to pop it on your phone and give it a listen and you have no reason to have the MP4, then you don't have to go for it. And if you're interested in watching shorter bits of those webinars, because what we do is we we do task-based learning and kind of record individual tasks so you can learn to do things step-by-step. And then we break those up into YouTube videos. So we have a YouTube channel where you can either go watch or listen to um, those demos of different tasks individually. And we have gotten so many new subscribers there and we would really love for everyone to go subscribe because it helps us just get the word out there and more people are learning about our demos and watching our videos. And we are going to have some new videos on the features that Eric spoke about. So that's going to be coming out in June as well. You know, before we, before we take questions and we say we would do that with uh, the last 10 or 15 minutes of, of this particular segment, I do want to mention FS Open Line because it's coming up tomorrow. And maybe one of you could speak to that because it's on at a slightly different time and people will want to know where to go to listen and ask questions. Sure. Go uh, ahead, Rachel. Oh, yeah. So you can check out um, FS Open Line. There should be a link to it on our main page now. We had gotten some feedback that it was a little difficult to find. I am so sorry if you've had trouble getting into FS Open Line. But that should be all rectified now. And it'll be tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern. So normally we do it in the evening. We're trying to accommodate some different time zones and we want more people to just be able to be involved. I know some people have been great about getting up at 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. and that's awesome. But we also wanted to try to accommodate some um, other folks. So we're going to do it at 3 p.m. Eastern. And the link is up there. If you do a links list and uh, look for FS Open Line, you'll find it. Right. Very cool. Well, let's open it up for questions. And Rick, can you tell people how to do that? Sure. If you want to ask a question, if you are on the PC, you hit Alt-Y. If you are dialing in on a telephone, it is star nine. And if you're on an iPhone app, uh, there is a raise hand screen in the middle of the raise hand button in the middle of the screen. So go ahead and tap on that. And we've got Abraham with a question. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, two questions. Are there any plans to provide better support for programs like Wireshark? and PuTTY with JAWS, and for PuTTY, uh, also support on remote desktops? Uh, good question, but I don't have an answer for it. Um, Abraham, you know, this would be a great question to come to FS OpenLine with. Uh, the guru that we'll have on there is Glenn Gordon, and he loves to get questions like this one. So, uh, and, and I think PuTTY is actually something near and dear to him, so. And I, I believe Wireshark's come up before, so you might have some interesting comments on that as well. Yes, that may be a good a good one for FS Open Line tomorrow afternoon, 3 Eastern time, 3 p.m. Okay, thank you. Great. And now we've got Ibrahim, please. Can you hear me? Yep. Yes, go ahead. So, um, two questions. Um, I'm wondering if you are going to build any support for the new, uh, web, the new uh, web browser people are talking about recently called uh, Brave. Brave uh, Yeah, you know, I've heard something about that. I think it. I, I think it was based on Chromium. I could be wrong. Uh, it's not actually. It's not okay. Well, yeah. 
Another good question for FS Open Line because I personally haven't tried it, but I we did discuss this one before too. Okay. And I have you tried it at all yet? No, I just heard a lot of people using it, and they say it works with dolls. They say it does work. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah, you know really we good. haven't done anything to make that happen. So Rachel, can you mute? So uh, I'm, I'm not so ready sorry. For bed I thought yet. I was no, muted. That's all right. Apologies. I'm not ready for bed yet. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, so. Um, yeah, no, if it does work, the good news is it's working just out of the box. So there's probably some good coding behind it. Um, okay, and people, my, my... people ask me all the time about browsers. I, I direct people to try uh, either Chrome or the new Edge browser from Microsoft, uh, which is mm -hmm. also based on Chromium now. And those are both uh, well, well tested and well used. Okay, my second question is, um, I know in the past you guys had something called um enhanced voices or premium high voices um are those that available so today we offer the i think it's the premium high vocalizer expressive that you can get through okay. the voice options dialogue i think those are the best ones we could offer yeah okay okay because the, the one i'm using the one i'm using it just says premium it doesn't say premium high yeah, I'm not. Um, I thought we had the best ones out there. But, okay, and uh, I did contact support, and they they didn't know what I was talking about. They didn't about. know. Yeah. So tell me which voice you use, and uh, and what yeah. do you think? Which one are you using? I, I use Tom, but he's not as clear or nice as he was when I was using um, high premium. I you think, think the high premium one was better. Okay. Well, enhanced or something like that, high quality. I'm not sure exactly what I was called. Okay. Well, good feedback, and uh, we we are we are hoping to update because I know that uh, Vocalizer has come out with some newer versions of it, and uh, we've got to do some testing with it and see if we can't get that released as well. Good. Thanks for your questions. Okay. Phone number six eight nine three, please. Yes. Uh, my name is Sue Slater, and I was wondering if you had a YouTube or FS Cast about Picture Smart. It sounds great, and I try to use it the way they say you're supposed to do it in FS, but I've never been able to make it work where it describes what the picture says. Hmm. I know we demoed a picture smart, oh, maybe a, close to a year ago. I, on I FSCast? On FSCast. I don't know if there's one up on YouTube yet. I don't remember. There's not currently a video on because I know you guys had already demoed it in FSCast, and I believe that audio is available. Can I? Can I make a quick uh, quick comment, guys? I know I'm not really here. Go ahead, yet. Ron. Yeah, um, Sue. I think it was Sue. Yeah. What you want when you what you want to do is go in. I, I'm guessing, but obviously you need an internet connection. But then go into help. Go to the startup wizard, and the first thing you're presented with is is a checkbox to participate in feedback for us, anonymous feedback. Check that checkbox, um, and that that gives. Um, our server's permission to talk to your uh, El Braille and to talk to Picture Smart as but well. You, but if you just try and use Picture Smart and that's not checked, it'll pop up and it'll ask you if that's okay. So you shouldn't even have to go find it. Oh, I understand. Just, I just wanted yeah. to be sure. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, the, the real thing that uh, I encourage people when they're getting started with this is if you have a pictures folder in your Explorer, I find the best thing to do is to navigate to that in Windows Explorer, go to the pictures folder, move to a photo, and whether it's named something that you understand or, or if it's just called, you know, image, whatever, JPG or whatever they, whatever they call them, 
uh, move to the file and then insert space P for picture smart and F for file. And that'll take your file, send it to the cloud and should give you feedback. And I think that's the best way to try and use it. There are people who also want to use it directly on Facebook uh, with images that are out there on Facebook. And we're working on some technology now and changes in the product to see if we can't make that uh, work a little more smoothly. So watch for changes coming in in the next few months. And uh, as soon as they do, we'll talk about them on FSCast for sure. And we'll try to get you some step-by-step instructions. If, you, if you're still struggling, if you're still fiddling with it and it's not coming through, send us an email to training at vespero.com and we'll try to just walk you through it if we can. Really sorry about being unmuted. That's okay. We'll let you come back next time. Yeah, it's the sign of the times. It was yeah. COVID classic. It's okay. But we are going to tease you around the office. Okay. We'll <laughs> hey, it, it wouldn't be a COVID-19 time. No, no. <laughs> Should we try and get a couple more in before the other guys come on? Sure. Yeah. We can at least get it. At least one more. Do we have another one, Rick? Sure, we sure do. Anicio, you can unmute yourself, please. Hi, good evening. Can you hear me? We yes, can. we can. Go ahead, please. I don't have a question, but I, I wanted to... Congratulate Main Menu for coming uh, live again after so many years, and uh, and uh, just say hello to uh, Rachel and also to Eric of all Vespero has done. I've been using JAWS since version 1.1, July 1995. So it's been a long time, and I really appreciate all you guys. Do. That's impressive. You, you know, yeah. before you ask your question, it's interesting. Uh, you and I have kind of the same history. I. I worked for Microsoft in Tucson back in the 90s, and I was using JAWS 1.0 for Windows 3.11 for workgroups to support yeah. Microsoft Access back then. And uh, yeah, that's where the journey started. It was, uh, that was fun. That was great stuff. And Anisio was fortunate enough to start in July of that year because in, it was in June that 1.21 version released and that was the first stable one that i can recall wow wow, <laughs> wow. go ahead and you see what what question it just, did you mean, have? it just means we're old no i don't have a question so i just want to <laughs> oh okay all of you for. yeah well, well thank thanks you. for being a loyal customer for so yeah, many years sure. and it's uh it's 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 good to hear you yep. do you have a do you have a three digit or four digit serial number i have a three digit there you go okay <laughs> thank you so much for calling uh, what do you think? We got yeah, probably right. over a couple minutes. Can we get another one in? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. We'll get one more in. Okay. Russell, you can unmute yourself, Russell. There you go. Hi, Russell. There you are. Hi. hi. Can you hear me now? Yes. yes. Go ahead, please. Oh, hi. Um, I have an old rail question, so I'm not sure if that's going to be handled later on, maybe or not, but, um, I just got mine yesterday and, uh, focus 40 blue is not connecting to it. Um, I, it works on everything else. I took the Focus 4D Blue and I'm able to connect it to my laptop. I'm able to get it running with the with the old Braille, with the old Braille using a USB cable. But when I dock it, it's not seeing it for some reason. It's showing up as an unknown USB and, device. And Russell, I, I think you talked to our tech support folks today. Is that yeah, right? I did. They're supposed to okay, get the whole so so we're dealing stuff. we're dealing with it. I don't want to I don't want to take it online because okay. we're looking for solutions in the background, okay. but we're definitely aware of it and we'll get you squared away one way or the other. Okay. Okay. Great. That sounds great. Okay. Thanks, sure. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling. Thanks Ron. Cause I was going to have to make something up. 
<laughs> I should have been quiet. I would have loved to have heard the story. Okay, I'm not saying anything next time. I'm kidding. I never make anything up. That was a big part of the Elbrill list today. We'll talk about that list later. About on. Eric making stuff up? Uh, no, no. Yeah, he's well known problem. for that. You know. I see. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, <laughs> uh, we got to be nice to our guests. Come on, guys. That's right, because they'll never invite us back to work with them again. So yeah. I guess <laughs> yeah, that's great. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, Eric, uh, I, I, are you going to be with us for the full two hours, or are you going to duck away, or what is your plan? I think I'm. Uh, I'm going to pop in and out. I'm going to hang around. Okay. I'm going to hang in here for a little bit, though. Okay. Why don't we do well, this so that people can, um, you know, if if people are going to come in and out too while they're listening. So, do you and Rachel want to give contact information and ways of getting a hold of of you guys if they have further questions? Uh, yeah. Well, training. Why don't you? Rachel, give the, all the training information. I think yeah. most people know how to find us through support. Yeah, and, so let me just rattle off some social media stuff. Um, you've heard this all before, but I mean, the best way to get in contact with me directly is to email training at vespero.com. I'm going to see all of those emails. I, I can't miss them. They're right there. So training at vespero.com, you'll get an answer from our team, and I will definitely see the email. That's the best way to get contact with us directly. We're going to try to... Now, don't email us about technical support problems, but anything related to like training, if you're trying to figure out step-by-step instructions for something or wrangle a program or an application that is just giving you problems, we can sort out some of the training issues or work on them with you. Um, as for YouTube, you can search for Freedom Scientific Training or f- go directly to the channel at youtube.com slash Freedom Scientific Training. And we even have a video on there that teaches you how to navigate playlists on YouTube with JAWS. So if you can get there, that should be the first video you check out and improve your YouTube skills. It's also directly embedded on our training pages, which is at freedomscientific.com slash training. And um, I think those are the best ones. You, I'm not, I won't rattle off the whole list. I think those are the best ones to focus on. Sure. And, and if I can just end with my plug for the portal. For those of you who haven't had an opportunity to try out the Freedom Scientific portal yet and the software delivered through the portal, for those of you who always wanted the ability to move your key on and off your computer, move it onto some other computer, this works very much like an Office 365 setup. And now is a perfect opportunity to try it. Even if you have an ILM license, if everything is good, just go try a portal one anyway. And you can do it on freedomscientific.com. Uh, starting down from the menu system, you'll find a free offer of our software. The software is good from now till June. And if you uh, put your email address into the field when you're asked, June 30th, if you put your email address into the edit field, it'll uh, pop you up and give you the instructions and let you get set up on the portal and you can try one of those licenses out. And you might find out that there's going to be a great opportunity for you to own it for a year at a good discounted price. That'll get announced around June 15th. So pay attention for that. Eric, can I ask a question about the portal? Sure. For those of us that have pro licenses, do you know if um, work is progressing in that area to allow the pro users to be able to use the portal? Because, man, I would sure love that. Yes. You know, I would love to pay a yearly fee for that, to be honest. Yeah, that's a, a, a good question, Jeff. There is a solution being worked on for pro. I certainly hope to be announcing more about it here as the uh, summer wraps up and we get into the fall. And uh, it looks like it's probably going to be a solution where 
if this is a first time use, if you've never had the license, you're probably going to end up buying a three year to start and then you can renew it annually. But if you're somebody that already has a pro license and you want to transition over to the annual solution, we should be able to help you make that transition away from your SMA program and get you right into the uh, portal. Sign me up. I'm ready. I think you'll be ready to go. Okay. Eric, Eric, Rachel, thank you both. Eric, please say hello to Pauline. I will. And we will uh, be catching up with you guys soon. And thanks so much for being with us on Main Menu. Thank you. And thank everyone. And I see a whole bunch of people out here on your uh, attendees list that I have known for years and we haven't talked. And, and those of you who know me know who uh, know I'm talking about you. So I say hello to everybody. Well, Absolutely. we hope we can have you back in the near future, Eric, Great. where we can talk even more depth about your products and and maybe even more about you. We'd love to get to know you better, too. Excellent. I'll tell and you all about to, the Red Sox. Yeah. We hope, I hope we see all these folks tomorrow at FS Open Line uh, as well, 3 p.m. Eastern. And they'll so. be at the virtual convention, too, which registration sure. is open, by the way. So everybody should go over and go to acbconvention.org and get registered so that you can uh, participate in the, uh, the you know, Vespero sessions as well, where they're going to be able to take questions and talk to you all about their products there too. So great stuff. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having us. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Eric. Well, let's go now over to TPG and talk about, well, all kinds of things here. Uh, Ryan and Larry, welcome guys. Nice to be here. Good evening. Happy to be here. You know, before we even begin, we need to tell people what TPG actually stands for because there is a name for it, but most people refer to it as TPG because it's easier to pronounce. So uh, this is Larry Lewis speaking. We got a couple of Larrys on the line here. Um, TPG stands for the Paciello Group, uh, founded by Mike Paciello about two decades ago, who's really one of the, I, I jokingly call him the godfather of accessibility. He's been around for quite a long time. In, uh, Larry, can you get a little closer to your microphone? Yep. Is this better? That's much better. Thank you. Yep. So uh, Mike is the founder of the Paciello Group. And a couple of years ago, Mike uh, sold his company to the Sparrow. Um, up until that point, the Sparrow had been getting involved in service delivery as it relates to accessibility services uh, back when they were VFO. And um, it was just a natural fit for the Paciello Group to be acquired by um, the Sparrow is just a really good fit as, as it relates to accessibility services that they provide coupled with the assistive technology that the Sparrow provides. And it was a, a really good fit. Um, I, I've been around uh, with VFO back to the service delivery as it relates to doing some contract work for them. And when the Paciello group was acquired shortly after I came on full-time with them um, to work with folks like Ryan, uh, who I'd been working with uh, prior to that as more or less a contractor. And it's really a pleasure to get to work with somebody like Ryan Jones on a, <clears throat> excuse me, on a day in day out basis. And uh, it's, it's great to be here. I, it's really uh, intriguing for me to be part of a group that, that has a fantastic uh, depth of accessibility services, but really is the only accessibility firm that's owned by a company who makes fantastic products like JAWS and, and some of the other brand, brands of uh, equipment that they make. Uh, we're really the only accessibility firm that can they can say that we're owned by a company who also makes assistive technology for the audience that we who we serve. So uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I know all of you in some way, shape, or form. I I often measure my career on 
coming out shortly after the um, Ted Henner and Eric Damery tapes came out in the 90s <laughs> as it relates to uh, you know, my involvement in this industry. So uh, it's great to be a part of, a, of an organization like the Sparrow and contribute on the digital accessibility front. And uh, Matt, also welcome. And thank, not Matt, I'm sorry, Ryan, thank you very much for being with us as well. Yeah, hi, um, this is Ryan Jones. And uh, as, as Larry gave a, a good background and uh, overview of TPG, um, I've been with the the Vespero brand or line of companies for a little over 10 years. So I started out originally in the Freedom Scientific side doing JAWS training. So kind of what Rachel and her team do now. Uh, I was myself and Dan Clark for quite a few years creating webinars and doing the daisy books. And, and this was, of course, before YouTube was big. And so we were doing everything in, in more audio format. Uh, and then in, in about 2014, 2015, when we started to branch over into the services and consulting side of the industry, I decided to move over into that. And so now I'm a project manager on the TPG side of things. So I run a, a quite a few different accessibility projects, work that, that we're doing as a company. Um, I like the, because I'm an assistive technology user, I'm a JAWS user, have been for about 20 years. I like the projects where we're getting a, a mix or a marriage between assistive technology and accessibility. So you know, some of our projects are just pure accessibility. We're testing websites, we're testing smartphone apps, but we're getting, we have a lot of projects where we're getting into things like jaw scripting or workplace accommodations, things where we're really tying in the personal side of accessibility and, and working with users and, and making solutions accessible to them. So I, I like to kind of focus some of my energies there, but I'm really happy that you guys brought us on and been enjoying the evening so far. Yeah. Well, let, let's start by talking about what's probably top of mind for everybody, which is this whole pandemic thing. And, and how has that made a difference in your work as it relates to accessibility and just having to be more aware of, you know, inclusion and just accessibility in, in general. And then I think that will kind of lead us, I think, into a discussion about web accessibility and app accessibility, right? Yeah, I think just a quick note on that. I mean, it's it's been interesting because at TPG, we all work remotely anyway. We have uh, pretty much for, for quite some time, we actually don't have a regular office that any of us work in. So, um, it's it's been a, a culture shock for a lot of folks, but for us, it's kind of been business as usual, although we don't travel right now, and some of us are used to traveling a good bit. But, but it has forced the issue for a lot of other people, uh, employees who tended to work in a physical office environment and now are being forced to work remotely. And, and there are definitely impacts to accessibility. Um, just simple things like not having a coworker at a desk beside you to ask a question to if you need it or if you're, you're something freezes up or you can't see something on the screen or there's an attachment that you can't see. You don't have that person to just reach over and say, hey, Larry, what's on my screen right now? So you're kind of having to do things in a, in a different way and, and rely more on the technology and less on the human uh, components of accessibility. So I think that's been a very big shift that we've seen uh, that that's affected people. I would also say that um, business for the Paciello Group, and, and I'm on the sales side of the of the house with, with TPG, we're super busy because we're running into situations where we're getting contacted by universities, uh, employers, <clears throat> uh, a whole host of different types of companies where the accessibility business, it hasn't slowed down, it's picked up 
because we've got people who are now moved into remote situations to where maybe they don't have the worksite accommodation or they might have help that, that, uh, to get them around some inaccessible barriers at work. Um, and so what happens, what happens is they, they're stuck. And so they come to, to us or companies like us and, and they, they're looking for solutions. So I've experienced, um, I guess, since, since March, even more of an uptake and just it being really busy. And in fact, Ryan and I were, were commiserating the other day, just like how incredibly, in a good way, chaotically busy it is right now, because you have all these people who are used to going places and maybe getting help different ways, who are now working remotely and who are in a situation to where they don't have the, the help that they're used to. And so inaccessibility and in certain critical barriers that, that maybe were pushed under the rug a little bit are now fully exposed. And, and that presents uh, both problems, but it also presents opportunities for organizations to do the right thing and, and for us to help them remediate. Talk so about, let's, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, talk about accessibility for a second for the person who is not an assistive technology person. They just know that a website either doesn't work or right. it does. How, how, how do they know about accessibility? So I, I simplify accessibility down to um, four letters, P-O-U-R. And these are, these are based on what the WCAG guidelines are. Um, is your information perceivable? Do you know what it says? Is your screen reader reading a screen, a display window, a web application? Is it reading it to you? So are you able to perceive what's up on that screen? Um, is it operable? Um, can you use uh, touch gestures if you're using a mobile device? Can you use keyboard if you're using a, a desktop computer or a laptop computer in JAWS uh, to interact with different elements on the screen? Is it understandable? That's a big deal when you're dealing with e-learning content and, and we are all dealing with different ranges of students who uh, are being forced to learn remotely now. So is it understandable? Are you able to uh, navigate an e-learning type screen? Are you able to navigate those controls in the appropriate order and does it make sense to you? And then lastly, is it robust? Is it a situation I'm taking an online course now for personal edification and the, the issue I have with this course, and it's, it's not a big issue, but it's something that came to mind because I just started taking it. Uh, can I pick up where I left off on my mobile device when I start the course on my computer? So is it robust? So you can, you can, you can look at these WCAG principles. I use the acronym and it's been, it's been used P-O-U-R, poor, perceivable, understand, uh, I'm sorry, perceivable, um, operable, understandable, and robust. And what I tell people, especially end users of assistive technology, what accessibility is not, um, while it's great, if there can be some backward accommodation, you know, going back maybe a version of software or a browser version, accessibility does not mean, um, you know, coding to Windows XP, JAWS 13, and I, Internet Explorer 7, okay? So there's a bit of a responsibility, those of us who are assistive technology users, to keep ourselves as current as we can and to also, even though change can be hard, navigating to browsers. I think Eric mentioned Edge, the new version of Edge, newer versions of Chrome, things that are a little bit better supported by the WCAG guidelines. It's on us as assistive technology users to own that, that responsibility. Uh, and it just makes it easier to keep accessibility content providers, hold them a little bit more accountable when uh, we're doing our part, we're keeping current, and we're using relevant browsers and relevant operating systems and, and whatnot. So I have a question. So do you think that 
you know, we talk a lot about accessibility and I, I think I tend to think about things about accessibility in two camps. One accessibility, of course, but also usability because yeah. the bar could be that, yes, a, a website or an application is accessible, but it may not be very usable. Yeah. And I'm just wondering how, how does that play a part in the, in the work that you, do, you guys do? Well, we, we summarize accessibility as compliance plus usability equals accessibility. So there's code compliance for legal risk management. In accessibility, it's a, it's a legally dicey game. A lot, of, a lot of organizations come to us because they're being sued or in the process of being threatened to be su getting sued, right? So you've got the compliance end of it. Is your code compliant? Uh, what's great about the Paciella Group and, and why it's such a great fit for the Sparrow Group of companies is uh, there's a big emphasis on usability and focusing on user journeys. So we look at accessibility uh, whenever I'm presenting this um, to different companies who are not really end users, but actually companies learning about accessibility, compliance plus usability. Um, that's, that's how we position accessibility within the organization. And, and I think Ryan speaks very well to tying reasonable accommodations as we begin to tie in employment where uh, his uh, strength and, and some of his jaw scripter strength are, are tremendous as far as the whole reasonable accommodation aspect and how that plays into getting your job done. So yeah. if, you, if you're a user who's, uh, you know, just using a website or an app and, and they're, they're struggling, they're working from home or they're a student and they're running into a problem, have you guys published any kind of uh, techniques or things that you would offer to, you know, consumers? I know, I know you definitely have stuff in the enterprise space for sure, but I'm just wondering for the consumer side, uh, Ryan, what, do you have anything to offer there? I, well, I think one of the best things for end users to really do is, is one, be, become familiar with your assistive technology, whether it's a screen reader on a computer, whether it's a smartphone, a tablet, whatever it is, become the strongest user of that technology that you can. And I know some people say, well, I don't, I'm not a technology person. And, and that's fine. You don't have to be. But, but if you're going to go drive a car, you want to be the best driver of that car you can, right? You don't want to just be a half good driver because that, that, that's, that's never a good idea. So when you're using your technology, be the best user of that. And, and so take advantage of what training you know, that Rachel and Eric were talking about earlier, or whatever companies that you're using products from. So that, that's one aspect so that you can get, get your job done or you can get the tasks done that you need to do. And, and then number two, don't be afraid to advocate for yourself with an app maker or a website maker. Don't be afraid to, to contact them and bring up the fact that you're a user of assistive technology, you're blind or have low vision, and, and you're unable to do certain tasks on their website and point out what those tasks are and, and what those problems you're having. And it doesn't have to be technical. In, in fact, in most cases, it probably doesn't need to be technical because the people who will first see a lot of that information are not the technology folks. But uh, so, so don't be afraid to bring these up. It's not going to make you look bad or make you look like you dislike the company. It's going to show them that they have a legitimate problem. And what we typically find in accessibility is most businesses, they want to fix the problem once they know about it. Either they, they don't know about it in many cases or, or just never listens to the fact that there is a problem. But and a lot of times, once they know that there's some sort of issue, they, they want to make it right. Now, getting the, the funding and other things to do that is, is often a challenge, but 
deep down, a lot of times people actually want to do it right. And, and especially if they're a, a for-profit company, because they, they want to sell you their product or their services. I mean, they're, they're in the business to make money. And if you can't go buy something on their site, they can't make money from you. Yeah. And the, the sales side of the equation, I'm, I'm telling you folks, folks just don't know. Companies just don't know. Um, we'll get somebody who's being sued and they're not even sure why they're being sued. Um, and once you break it down for them, and explain in a in a constructive tone what accessibility is. Uh, the light goes on. Uh, it, it helps that Ryan and I are both users, um, and we're users like all of you who who want to do the same types of things that everybody else wants to do: buy houses, buy cars, go on vacation, book a flight, do all of these different types of things. And so, when it's broken down constructively and it's laid out in a in a in a reasonable tone. Uh, There'll be times when when that may not work, but I would say, Ryan, what you say about 90% of the time that that tends to work, at least in our dealings with our, our prospective customers and, and current customers, folks generally want to do the right thing. Uh, they just, they don't A, realize it's a problem, and then they B, they don't know how to solve it. And so it's just, it's taking them and leading them along that path of accessibility awareness is, is, is the biggest part of the battle. And then fixing stuff, once we get them there, that's that can either be through JAWS scripting, which which we do uh, from a reasonable accommodation standpoint, or it can be digital accessibility guidance and, and remediation and, and helping fix underlying code, code so that scripts aren't necessary. Rick, do we have any questions yet for Larry or for Ryan? Yeah, we sure do here. Mitchell, Mitchell, if you unmute yourself. Can I hear you again? Can you explain what you guys do when it comes to apps? Yeah, hey Mitchell, it's been been quite a while. Um, so we we work with accessibility for for apps, websites, uh, software applications. Uh, a new emerging trend for us is with kiosks, uh, and and all of those have the same fundamental principles. But specifically for apps, we we do accessibility testing uh, based on the, the specified criteria, the WCAG criteria, or the accessibility guidelines, and then we also do user testing, can someone actually use this even if it meets the guidelines? So for all of the different types of tests and consulting that we do, it, it's fairly similar. It's just a little bit different in the app space because we're, you know, we're dealing with the smartphone technology as well. We're dealing with voiceover or Android talkback or, or whatever the screen reader may be, but it's, uh, it's all very similar no matter what type of application that it is. Thank you, Mitchell. Responsive web is also big for us. Um, where we test things cross-platform um, in a desktop browser, but also in mobile browsers. We're, we're starting to see a big uptake in people just coming out with responsive web content and then wrapping it to, to fit various types of uh, environments. Thank okay. you, Mitchell. We have another okay. one, Rick. Yeah, phone number 6893, please. Yeah, this is Sue Slater again. I'm a home-based travel agent, so I'm on websites all the time. And what's frustrating is the website will be accessible as far as filling out information. But when it comes to the checkbox that says, I am not a robot, our submit button, it won't let me get into it in order to get it completed by myself. I have to get Ira on the phone to take over the computer, which is great, but I'd like to be able to do it by myself. Have you been working with different web providers about making these kinds of things more accessible so that blind people can be able to do this with JAWS? I just had an appointment today with a, a 
web developer is just walking through and scoping out their content that has one of those. I'm not sure if it's accessible or not. Uh, but yeah, that, that can be problematic and it can be often fixed with with a line of code so that when you use the keyboard to check that box, the screen reader announces that it's checked and it's actually checked. So it, it is a it is a problem and it is it there's there's definitely a fix fixes out there. And sometimes you can if you're using JAWS, it doesn't happen in all cases successfully, but you can turn the virtual keys off with insert Z. And then yeah. press the button, and often, not always, but often, it will work. It depends on how the page is laid out. Yeah, and, and in a lot of cases, the company that has this that that you might be dealing with, Sue, they don't even know that they have this capture technology. It's a third party provider. It's a plug in, and it's usually something in their payment system or back end. So what I've seen sometimes is the people that actually run the website have no clue about this, or that it's not accessible, or even what it does for that matter. Yeah, it's just it's something that really needs to get fixed somehow in the future because it makes a, a website that is accessible in every other way inaccessible to finish what you need to do to actually get the information there. It, it is a point that we bring up in many cases that that a company is really responsible not only for their website or their content, but also for those third party things that they put on there. So the fact that a you know, let's just say a, a travel agency website may use that technology, even if it's not theirs, they are still responsible for it. it so it's not an excuse if they don't know about it. That's the reality. But uh, again, they're still responsible for anything on their site, whether they create it or someone else. And, and yeah, I mean, the, the bottom line is this has been an issue for a long time. Captures are ever since they came out. There are some that provide alternative means to use them. And, and I've even seen some that break the whole paradigm and and have a question that you must answer, like um, what is two plus two or something. But so there's all kinds of ways that these things are implemented, but but it, it has been a challenge for a while. This this is Eric, can I jump in? Uh, just to, to point out that um, the whole idea behind the capture is to make it something that a machine, in this case, a screen reader, really can't get the information process it and do something with it. So they're trying to, the, you know, the, the reason the screen reader gets defeated by it is kind of the same reason they're defeating the bots that are trying to, to hit these things. So it is a big challenge. You're absolutely right. It's been there a long time. We have to stay on, stay on this with Microsoft and Google. They've got to come up with solutions for this to be able to communicate better with assistive technology. Can we duck in one more? Yeah, Wes. Wesley. Okay. Uh, hi. Um, I'm a ZoomText user. Do you guys work with that program? We do um, to some degree. I would say, Ryan, we probably lean a little harder on Fusion, but there are times when um, we do some, some work with ZoomText. Okay. Because I heard just a Fusion that's combined JAWS and ZoomText. But the thing is, I'm a, CISA, I'm a huge ZoomText user, and I was trying to work for a guy for a couple months. Just, you know, I was just using ZoomText at the time. And the guy wind up letting me go and saying, when I'm working with ZoomText, that's a ZoomText user, I'm just too inefficient for its work that it needs to be done. So he ended up letting me go. And he said that, oh, those fancy, these accessibility adaptive technology programs aren't really up to snuff for the workplace. That he just said, like, people just created this so they could say that blind people could use computers. And he kind of, you know, and he kind of came away thinking that these just don't work you know, they have an efficient efficiency problem to use this type of adaptive 
equipment in the actual workplace. And I had talked to other, you know, side pair, you know, side challenge uh, computer users since then, working that actually work in various jobs using, you know, probably screen, mostly using screen readers. And when I asked them about it, about have, have they ever had any issues with their efficiency using their adaptive accessibility software? And they said, no, there hasn't been a problem. You know, the efficiency was never an issue. And I kind of wonder, do you offer any like training courses to work on efficiency in using these uh, accessibility adaptive technology softwares? Is there any course like that to help a person work on their efficiency in the use of, of the, the software? Asiello group would not, Rachel's uh, group may. Um, as, a, as a fellow assistive technology user, uh, I, don't, I don't know your situation for sure, um, but, but I would suggest that in order to help your visual um, efficiency using Zoom text, that you might also consider some secondary speech that Fusion offers. Um, okay. It, it, if you're anywhere from you know, three to four X and up, I think speech can only help you be a little bit more efficient. I think it's unfortunate. Um, that that was the impression that that your that your former employer had, um, but but I do think the more tools you can come at a, at a problem with, and if it's if it's a screen magnification uh, plus some secondary speech, um, you know I, I think you can only benefit from a multi-sensory approach to using assistive technology. We we at the Pasiello group we don't we don't really have a lot of end user training like that, um, so I would defer to Rachel. Um, okay, so you you recommend that you should step up to Fusion to combine the screen I, read with the- uh, I don't know your situation, so- But yeah, it's I run like X, 4X, it's kind of probably about where I run my Zoom text. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's only gonna help you um, if you have that secondary auditory feedback and keyboard commands, and, and Ryan will back me up on this one, as will Rachel and, and, and Eric. <laughs> uh, it makes you quick. Yeah. Rather than pointing the mouse and dragging things, it makes you quick when you learn how to use a keyboard. And if you're okay, at four, it does make you quick. It improves your speed of doing it. The yes. guy that get clear about what my inefficiency was, I and I'm looking back on. I should have probed that more. I didn't know. Thinking was just my speed versus. Or I think thing was like the electricity I was using with the computer or the memory space I was taking up. Those, you know, since it was like computer program, those are the only. Mm -hmm efficiency, other efficiency issues I could think about on the job would be like memory, electricity usage, no, or no, it sounds like he had a prejudice going in. Yeah. yeah or, but if, yeah, if you're sure. at a 4X, if you're at 4X, that's taken up a very large part of the screen. So I think what Ryan and Larry are saying is, is probably true. If you can get some speech help, if it's with regard to Fusion or JAWS, whatever, it would make you more efficient. I can't, I can't speak to your situation, but that's generally what we tell people where I work as well. It, when Wesley, they're four and five X. It, the prejudice though that happens is very real. And, and what Wes described is scenarios that I've seen many times where we work with employers that have this idea that someone who's using assistive technology must be slower. They must not be able to do the quality work that others can do. And that is best fought by basically proving them wrong. You, you, we can talk all day long, but as soon as we go in and we help that company start to make their applications accessible, whether it's through scripting, whether it's through changing their applications, and we start to 
show them or their employees start to show them that they can do that work, that changes the whole dynamic of the conversation. It changes the relationship between the employee and the employer. And it, it just totally turns things around. But you really have to, it's not something that you can put on paper. You'd have, the, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. This we is can, Eric. Can I jump in? Examples. Sure. I, I sure. also just, oh, hi, hi, Wesley. I just wanted to, to say, you know, everything these guys have been telling you, this is the truth. And, uh, the, you know, improving your skills on the, on the computer in general, whether it be learning the keyboard, trying fusion, if that's a solution and it may or may not be, uh, any of those things can help you improve your skills and what the, uh, consumers that you're talking to the other users that you're talking to that are telling you that they've never run into any of these challenges. They all lied to you. We've all run across this, whether we use AT products or we don't use AT products, we all run across challenges on the computers and every day. Uh, you, every have day. To, you have to fight through this stuff and, and you, you get better and, and you win some battles and you don't. So don't give up, keep fighting it. Okay. I think uh, Jeff, uh, we probably are at a point now where we're going to. Yep. Thank you, Larry, bit. And yeah. Larry and Ryan, both for a terrific half hour. Absolutely. Uh, guys, so how, how can people reach out to you and f- learn more about what you guys do and uh, better the world of accessibility all, you know, all up? I'll, I'll let Larry kind of give some of the contact info, but my parting words will be watch what happens over the next year for folks and, and keep that advocacy. I, I suspect there's going to be a lot of trends that are going to change in technology. And, and we have to, as users and people who are blind or low vision, it's going to be incumbent on us to stay on top of this. You know, as you start this, I, I can almost guarantee you're going to start to see more kiosks in places and we're going to need to make sure that those things are accessible and it's going to take each of us from a personal side, not even just a professional side, to make companies aware of challenges as we face them. Uh, and, and Larry, I'll let you speak to kind of how to get a hold of us. So it's, I'm going to give you the easy way because it's getting a little later in the evening. We're going to opt for less syllables and we're going to go with the vespero.com emails um, and they'll get to us instead of making you spell Pasiello Group, uh, L. Lewis at vespero.com and R. Jones at vespero.com. Uh, easy ways to reach us. Um, and, and, and we're here to help. Again, we don't, we don't do a lot directly with, with the end users, such as, um, you know, working directly with end users, but we're here for you. If you have university situations, employment situations, company situations that you can loop us in with, uh, we'd be happy to, to help you out as, as best we can. Both educate uh, the, the offending party as it relates to accessibility and, and, and get them in a better place understanding what that is and, and possibly solving your problems. And I would just reiterate what, what Ryan says, um, advocate, um, constructive advocate, constructively advocate and um, it, it's accessibility is a right we, we say that all the time and it's every bit as much of a silver right as being able to vote and, and other things we need access to the same information especially in this 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 time that we're in right now but but at any time any information that's out there we need we need to have access to it we have we need to be able to interact with it uh, and we and we need to be able to collaborate and, and share information amongst ourselves. So it's been great being here. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Ryan. Hey, hey Larry, before you go, I, I want to also give you a, a public thank you for the years of support that you gave to Dean and TTTT and uh, 
it was really pivotal of your work to be able to distribute that and get the word out about accessibility and just technology in general. And uh, I want to make sure that you're recognized for that because Absolutely. you 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 were just an amazing man to be able to to do that and and offer that and and you you truly made a difference and I just wanted to thank you. Thank you. All right, Larry. So we get to unwrap your new toy. And you know, it's funny because I was thinking back on this, and and one of the questions that we were asked most about during FSCast, and I'm sure it'll happen later on when we rejoin it, is what about the Elbrel? When is it going to be in the United States? Because it's been around the world now for quite yeah. a while, and it just began shipping. And we've been in contact with Ron Miller. Uh, he has been. A great help to us trying to get us up to speed a little bit. Matter of fact, Ron has probably wanted to change his phone number and email address several times since we started asking questions. But uh, but let's let's welcome Ron to, to Main Menu and thanks so much for being with us and thanks for the opportunity to let us talk with to you about Elbrel. Ron, I want to I want to blame you first for my gray hair. Can I tell that story first, Ron? I, well, maybe I can't. I can't really stop you since you're the host. I think you well, ought to know, go for I mean, it. I, well, no, it's okay. I, I, so I, I remember when the the Focus Forty Blue, the, the this was a couple of years ago when the the new generation one came out. Uh huh. And and I was standing. Uh, I was at CSUN, and and uh, you know, you you picked it up and you literally <laughs> slammed it. <laughs> literally i mean yeah, and you did it like four or five times he did it this and, year too and i and i, about I do it all the time <laughs> i know you do that and i i just wish you would stop that we've it's not good we've for lost heart, many many blind people and vi teachers <laughs> due to heart attacks uh and i and I've not had, one braille display that one bra- <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's unbelievable it's unbelievable that you that that, uh, that you do that and and i i just tell you um uh, I remember it to this day, my friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I love this Braille display. <laughs> I really do. Um, yep. It's fun for that reason. But uh, just real quickly, I'll tell you that I, I for, for full disclosure, I don't slam them down. I, I pick them off. I, I do what a 12-year-old me would have done because. It sounds like it, though. I didn't pay attention. Well, if you drop them from, you know, three, four inches up, they kind of crash down onto the tabletops or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I, it's I, loud I, enough. That's right. I kind of pretend. What would I do if I was 12 and I have, you know, two or three fat Braille books? And um, if I could if I could beg, borrow, or steal one, some kind of a radio receiver and a cane and all this other stuff and this this Braille display in my hands, and they slip out of my fingers onto the table. And it, it used to happen. Better, um, better a Braille display than a Perkins. That's right. Oh gosh, right? Right? that's yeah. right. That's, that's they, happened they, too. So they both survive pretty well. Yes, but, they do. Uh, <laughs> I, I was doing this demonstration in Washington to a group of VI teachers, and this one woman asked, you know, the, the, I love the question. Well, Ron, you know, how how sturdy is this Braille display? And I said, come on up. And I, I had her pick it up and feel it. I said, hold it in your hands, twist it. See, it doesn't twist. The housing doesn't bend. I said, here, let me, let me see where you're at. And I reached out and I felt her hands and she was holding it at either end of the display like I asked her to, to twist it. So I took her wrists in my hands and she was standing up kind of over the tabletop. And I said, but, oh no, what if it falls out of your hands? And I pulled her hands apart really fast. And usually the Braille display falls to the tabletop and another person has a heart attack and I feel guilty. And this teacher was like a ninja. Her hand <laughs> clamped down on the end of that Braille display and it stuck straight out from her hand and would not fall down. And I waved her arm up and down. I said, let go. And she said, no, it'll fall. And I said, well, that, 
that originally was my point. <laughs> I love that. Love oh, yeah. That. So I said, okay, well, you can go back to your seat and I'll keep this. And she literally, she said in her teacher voice, she goes, no, because if I do, you're going to drop it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it is great to be here, guys. This is awesome. I, I have listened to main menu way back all the way, probably Jonathan, maybe not. Probably. Yeah, to the Jonathan days, and I discovered it probably in 1981 or something. 19, 1981, oh my goodness. 2001 or 2001, something. 2001, yeah, sure. I, I sure. go back to the early days, probably not the first episode, but uh, it's awesome to be here. I feel like I've arrived. It's it's like uh, it's almost like being on the Carson show, except for newer. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have changed my phone number and email address so the, the guests oh, you have. get hold of me. Yeah, okay. I, okay. That, that person who is, is answering the, the phone is not my wife. That's that's somebody else altogether. <laughs> it's that VI teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, good evening. It's and good morning to some people, depending on where you are in the world. It's great, great to be here. So talk about the Elbrell a little bit for the person who has wandered in here and has no idea what the Elbrell is. Because it, when you do that, then I'm going to ask you about the differences between other note takers and the Elbrell and why we should even worry about having an Elbrell. But let's talk about what it's about first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Elbrell is a Windows 10 note taker running JAWS. So it's, it's all of the things everybody wants in a note taker. It's, it's an all-in-one device with speech output and Braille input and output, just like all the other note takers going back um, in this instance to the late 1980s, early 1990s with the original Braille lights and all that kind of stuff. People wanted a, a device you could pick up and walk away with, and it gave you uh, the ability to to do word processing and editing and have a clock and a calendar and other stuff. And later on, you know, do email and play media and, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, the tasks keep growing as the ability to stuff more and more, you know, functions into a device grew over the decades. Um, but everybody, you want long battery life and you want a single package because you could accomplish these kinds of things with a laptop and a Braille display. But then as somebody once said, you've got a lot of fiddly bits to carry around and uh, you know, people want an all-in-one solution and they want their battery to last longer than somewhere between four and eight hours. So the L Braille is our answer to that, our, our modern day answer to that. And it's a note taker that's running Windows 10 and JAWS. And uh, that's the, the big differentiator right now. Um, uh, the other note takers on the market, uh, the HEMS note taker, obviously, and the humanware note taker. And, and um, uh, there's a couple others. Their names just totally escaped me, and I apologize. Um, great devices. Nobody's making, nobody's making junk. But they run on the Android platform. And they have a suite of applications built in uh, that, that do the things we've discussed and then some. Uh, but they are a suite of proprietary applications. And you can, of course, go out to the operating system and, and look at other things as well. The L Braille differs in that it literally is what you see is what you get. It's running Windows 10 and it's running JAWS. And so you've got the basic Windows uh, applications. You've got Notepad and WordPad. Those things are there. And then there is a very small suite uh, of applications, absolutely one, called LNotes, which was designed specifically for the L Braille and is intended as kind of an homage to the old note taker days. And for people who say, I don't want to fool with the desktop. I don't want to wait. I want, I want to take notes right this minute. So if the L Braille is up and running with a single key touch, L Notes launches and you can write a phone number down real quick or whatever. It's very fast. It's very simple. It stores that uh, that note as a text file, and it'll do a recording. If you want to do a quick recording, uh, it'll store it as an MP3 file. So 
it'll do that. So in its in its uh, out of the box form, it's it's Windows and a basic uh, note taking app plus your other basic Windows apps. But since it's Windows, you can expand it to meet your needs, no matter what they are. As a guy that is working all the time and traveling, and I sing in church and I do other stuff, uh, I've got to take care of business needs, personal needs. Uh, I'm a communications hobbyist, so I do ham radio and other radio related things. So I've found it really great to be able to, to install and use Office 365. So I've got access to Word and PowerPoint and Excel and all of the other parts of that suite of applications. Um, and I would add kind of parenthetically, there's no uh, restrictions, impositions, uh, whatever, prohibitions, other issues on file types and formats. You don't have to ask, well, you know, can I open a PDF document with it? Well, of course, you can load Adobe Reader if you want to, or if you want to manipulate this file, you could open it in Word or do whatever you want with it. Can I, can I save a Word document? If I am wanting to work in, you know, in collaboration with other folks, uh, whether it's Word or Google Docs or whatever, that all is available. And it is something you can add and expand and, uh, and, and use as you need. So you know, there, there isn't a dedicated suite of applications because you can create your own. You can grab what you need, whether you're, you're, you're working or you're using Outlook email or you're uh, wanting to read the digital display on a scanner receiver like I do, and there's software for that. So, um, you know, you've got the portability, you've got the expandability, and uh, it is Windows-based. So in a big nutshell, that's at least the beginnings of the differentiations. Can you talk about the specs of the device? It might be interesting to kind of dive into that because one of the questions I have is, you know, this this device it's a it's a portable basically laptop kind of like device, right? But yeah. um, who 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 are you really targeting for this device? In other words, maybe we'll talk about specs first, and then talk about who you, who would be best for this device, and and who may it not fit in reference to, you know, not enough power or anything like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, both good questions. And also implicit is um, some of the comments about the first generation L Braille. So let's talk about specs. Um, and it, you allude kind of, uh, whether intentionally or not, there was, you know, impressions of the L Braille when it was re- first released several years ago. It I wasn't, used... by the way. That's okay. Because... Yeah, yeah, no, I wasn't. I wasn't doing that in this case, because I'm, I'm, I'm actually honestly looking at purchasing this. And, yeah. and so it's one of the questions I had, which, you know, about the actual specs of the device. So I get yeah. it. No, no, it's, but it's a good question. It let me jump into very smoothly something I wanted to talk about anyway, <laughs> which is the specs and the comparison. So this is good. The original L Braille used the Intel PC stick, just like you found in the, Oh, the, the Dell. Um, oh, I have one sitting in, in a drawer. I'm not using it because it's slow. Um, oh, I hate when that happens. Anyways, it's a touch. It's a touch tablet, the Dell venue. Phew, that was scary. The Dell venue. So uh, the original L Braille had two gigs of RAM and 32 gigabytes of uh, of uh, hard drive. It was an SSD hard drive, so fast but small. And then an internally mounted SD card providing another uh, 128 gigabytes of storage. And um, the microprocessor was an Atom quad-core processor. I think it topped out at like 1.8 gigahertz or something. Um, so when people wanted it to do a lot of tasks, if I wanted to open up at the time, Internet Explorer, let's say, or Chrome, or one of those, have a browser open, have Word open, maybe have my email open, I'm copying, pasting, browsing, doing stuff. Um, it would start to get very, very busy, very fast. And you, you know, it was a little resource poor. Um, 
Some people found others not because they didn't open up multiple windows. The new version, and that's why I like the question, the new version is very, very much changed. Um, it's running uh, uh, an i5 processor. It's 64-bit. It's running 64-bit JAWS now. So big change from the 32-bit PC stick. Um, I can't out-braille it. I can't, you know, if I put a QWERTY keyboard on it, I can't out-type it. It's fast. It has 8 gigabytes of RAM instead of 2. It has 128 uh, gigabyte SSD hard drive, a solid-state hard drive. There are uh, a couple of USB ports, uh, USB-A ports. They're Type 3. And uh, we've got an SD card reader that'll take up to a 2 terabyte SD card, um, which I still think the company is not going to let me expense. So uh, <laughs> I'm still looking. But uh, And a, uh, a USB Type-C port as well. So uh, a lot of differences between them and, and a lot of changes in the last few years in the specs and what it does. Um, has built-in GPS, of course, all of the, the normal cast of characters, built-in Wi-Fi, 802.11ac, um, Bluetooth, was it 4.2? Uh, I was going to yes. have my notes in front of me, but my, yeah. thank good, because my, my other computer went to sleep. Uh. Um, my work computer has gone to sleep. And you know, talk about lending uh, itself to a task. I'm actually doing this Zoom meeting on the L Braille, um, just as a case in point. I did a training today with a, a school district, uh, some VI teachers and students who wanted to do L Braille training. They're very enthusiastic. So I was able to do the Zoom meeting and share my screen and walk them through a bunch of L Braille tasks and things they wanted to do. And uh, since I was sharing my screen and the L Braille's audio, they could hear what I was doing and 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 know what was going on. The sighted VI teachers could, uh, you know, see my screen, my my L Braille screen. Um, they they got the Windows environment, which is a huge thing for parents, for teachers. Um, if you've got a device that a student brings home, now I used to joke about how seventh and eighth and ninth graders were doing PowerPoint presentations until a teacher stopped me and said her fourth graders were doing basic PowerPoint. Um, you know, it's it's great to be able to, to to first of all work with with all of your classroom peers. But, you know, there's been a long-standing issue if somebody is working on something on their note taker, they're putting together a document, they bring it home and they want help. And, and so very often, and no con condemnation to the parents because they've, they've brought home this device and they say, I really need help. And the only, the only response tends to be, I'm sorry, honey, I, I can't help you with your Braille thingy or variations thereof. Um, you're in high school or college and you need to browse the web to do research and the IT person walks in. And they're all set to help until they see the Braille thingy. And then they say, oh, I can't help you with that. Well, one of the neat things about L Braille, since it's Windows 10 and JAWS, is you connect a mouse and a keyboard either via the, the USB ports or you get one of the wireless versions and, you know, look at the video like we did today. And it's, it's very approachable, very digestible for everybody, whether it's the IT person or the VI teacher or the, you know, the parents. It's, it's Windows, it's JAWS, and everybody gets it. What do you say? What do you say to the person? And I saw this on the list about a week ago, one of my lists, who said the umbrella is clunky and it's big. It well, <laughs> I've laid it on top of other note takers, um, and it's they're all kind of much of a muchness. Uh, the L Braille is a little bit thicker because we've made the ability to to dock the Braille display. The Focus fifth generation sits down into a well that receives it. There are um, I don't. I don't know what the engineering super term for these things are. So I've called them fingers, which lock into these uh, uh, hard points on the display. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, to demonstrate it, I pick it up by the Braille display and shake it and move it around. I'm, I'm doing it again, I guess, but it, it hasn't fallen off yet. 
And that's what I would have done when I was 12. So, oh so. my God, Ron. <laughs> and Ron, why is that so important too about yeah. the dockability? Why does that matter? Well, because for two reasons, really three reasons. Um, one is for, for, uh, for, for portability of the Braille display. If I want to take my Braille display, I need to, I need to leave my dorm, my bedroom, office, whatever. Uh, the L Braille's sitting there. It's up and running. And or for the sake of size, I just want to walk away with my, my Braille display. Either of those reasons, because I can leave my L Braille sitting there percolating, percolating, percolating along and use just a, a keyboard and mouse with it. Um, I wouldn't use the mouse, you know. But uh, I, can, I can undock the Braille display, walk off with that and just use that because that's already paired with my iPhone so, uh, and other devices. Um, in fact, when I'm sitting here talking to you guys, I'm flipping between my work computer until it went to sleep and my iPhone of text come in. I did that today during our training as well. Um, so I can walk off with my uh, Braille display, leave the L Braille behind, or if I need to send the L Braille in for whatever reason for repair, because 12 year old me did get a hold of it. Um, I don't have to send in my Braille display and that's huge because I can still use it with my laptop. I still have Braille. It's a little more, uh, more things to carry, but it does let me keep my display and, and stay working uh, or being in school or just doing things around the house while the L Braille goes in for repair. And my third reason is if I'm doing this on my own and I'm having to save enough shekels to purchase the product, I can buy it in a couple of stages. I can purchase the Braille display, use it with my computer, and then when I've saved the rest of the pile of shekels I need, I can purchase the L Braille part of that and when it arrives, I just dock them and start using them. So it's a good question. And that's, you know, those are my reasons why. Can I add a fourth? Sure, absolutely. So I'll I add think, it to my list. I think the fourth is eight years from now, that L Braille i5 might not be the processing power that you really want to be using. And you may have moved on to something else. Mm -hmm. Well, that Focus 45th generation Braille display, I guarantee you there are going to be people using it 10 years from now. Ah, that Braille point. display is still going to be a good solution for people to use. So being able to take it out as you outgrow the processing power, because this stuff is changing fast. Mm -hmm. That's an excellent point. Thank you. Yes. I, I talked to people who are still using that first generation focus. They got way back in uh, 2002, 2003. So it's a point well made, very well made. How, how have you um, dealt with the whole purchasing aspect of this for, for consumers? Um, you know, for those that don't have access to, you know, for example, state rehab agencies and things like that, uh, you know, this technology isn't, isn't uh, necessarily, you know, um, affordable to many. So it's I just not, wondering it's how not it, pocket money by any stretch no, of the imagination. No. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's our equivalent of buying maybe not a car, but it's a major investment. There's no doubt about that. And yeah, there are, there are sources of funding. Uh, you know, I've seen, uh, list on the internet, some state by state things. And I, off the top of my head, can't think of them. Um, we don't do any kind of a loan program or anything like that. Um, you know, local dealers, I can't speak to what happens at the local level. So, you know, we're, we're aware of the fact that these things aren't cheap. They're just not whether, whether you get them from us or you get them from another note taker manufacturer. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, I guess very bluntly, there's not a lot we can do. Uh, we do work as hard as we can to provide products um, at as good a price as we can. If you remember back 
was it 2007, 2008? We were the first manufacturer to lower the price of Braille displays back. I remember. Back in the dark yep. ages, uh, a 40 cell Braille display was about $7,000. An 80 cell Braille display was ten dollars or $11,000, depending on what you bought. Um, we brought those prices down, you know, um, by a good 33 or 34%, taking me back a long way. So we, we do strive. Obviously, we're a company that needs to make a profit. We all like to eat. Um, and my three dogs, wife, little boy, and mortgage uh, all exist <laughs> as well. But, you know, the effort really is made to, uh, to provide uh, as much value at as good a price as we can. And, you know, we're all aware. A lot of us are blind. I'm totally blind. A lot of us have, have done that time on SSI while we've gone through school and done first mm -hmm. steps into the job world. We get it. We really, really do. So we make the effort to make this stuff as affordable as we can. So you know, if you don't mind, can we talk about the prices of the product? Oh, sure. I can tell you U.S. prices anyway. Okay, that's great. Yeah, let's do that. So the the L Braille itself, the the, the smart part, as I call it, um, is $2,695, $2,695. And then the Focus 40 Blue, which you need, even though it's not the smart part, is $2,995. And I am not a mathonaut. But if you buy them both, it comes in at just a little under $5,700, okay? So $5,690, I think. Um, and if I did that wrong, all of the mathonauts, don't, don't write me and tell me I did it wrong. I'll just admit that I'm not a mathonaut. <laughs> My wife can do that stuff in her head. I cannot, okay? And you, you can purchase in two steps, which is helpful, uh, I think. And you get a what, a one-year warranty on that? Yep, I believe it's a one-year warranty. Okay. And on, on both parts, Okay. And there are product maintenance agreements that. that yeah, I was just going to ask about that. Yeah, and I don't have the cost breakdown in front. No, of that's me, fine. That's fine. But you do <laughs> offer them, though, right? I yes. Mean, if it's an oh, investment absolutely. like that, you wouldn't want to. A lot of people are using these things for work, and they're using them for school. Sure. Uh, so it's a it's a big deal. And you already, if you already have Jaws, you don't need Jaws because you already have your Jaws and your license. So Correct. you just buy those two, right? Yep. You buy those two. If you've already got your JAWS license and you're golden, just use one of your authorizations. We don't really need to sell you uh, two JAWS licenses. It's it, JAWS doesn't care whether it's running on an L Braille or running on your laptop or running on your desktop. You know, my, my, my rather silly joke is an L Braille is a computer dressed up in note taker clothes, uh, you know. So absolutely right. And there are several ways if you don't have JAWS uh, to, to get JAWS, whether it's the, uh, the perpetual license or the annual. And maybe we should also mention, because I saw this on lists too, that people just assume since Vespero Freedom Scientific, uh, since they manufacture so many things, including JAWS and ZoomText and Fusion, that they're also manufacturing the Elbro, but that's not really true, is it? Well, this is done in a partnership with a company called Alita Group, and they they came up with the hardware and they really wanted to use the Focus Braille display uh, because of its ruggedness, because of its robustness. And um, they approached our product manager at the time, who was Brad Davis, and uh, began to dialogue about that and you know, presented how it was supposed to work. And this actually goes back to the, the last generation uh, focuses, foci, um, where everything sort of started, the original Elbraille 14 and Elbraille 40. Um, and they, they wanted that. And then when, when we started talking about the fifth generation focus and what it was, they got very excited about that as part of a, a product like that. So um, the hardware is made by Alita Group, but we, we, we are still a big part of the manufacturing and assembly process because um, we actually 
get the Intel compute card, which is the hearts and brains of the unit. And uh, that's, we purchased the cards. Uh, we have to, uh, you know, put the cards into the, into the boards. We assemble the product here uh, after actually loading our image onto the LBraille. And it's an image specifically for North America and the North American market. So, um, you know, the, the, the hardware comes here, but we have to put it together. Um, we have to make it work. It doesn't come with any software installed on it. It doesn't even come with the compute card. So it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a dumb device until we get it and make it work. Ron, I know a lot of people who are users of some of the earlier LBraille's are curious as to whether there's an upgrade path to the current uh, brand new one. There isn't yet. And everybody remembers the PacMate and how you could upgrade from the PacMate to the PacMate Omni and the advantages that came with that. And all I can say now is when I talk to the product management folks for LBraille, uh, they have a very strong desire. And we talked about this, Larry, back in the days when, uh, when we thought this was coming out really fast and now time has turned and, you know, the screen gets all wavy, right? Time goes by and they still uh, are, are uh, planning an upgrade path. So if you've got one of the older units, don't, uh, don't give up, let them finish the, uh, the spins they're doing right now. And they plan on uh, going back and addressing upgradability for the, uh, the first generation L Brails to bring it uh, more current. I don't know what that's going to look like, um, again, I'm not, I'm not a product manager, uh, for the product. Uh, but what I'm told is they still plan on an upgrade path for these units. We should talk a little bit about the, the manuals and the user guides and so forth that are out there because they, they've just recently been put up within the last year or so on, on the freedom scientific site. And mm-hmm. I know people are working on tutorials. Uh, yep. there's a wonderful, well, you're talking to one of them list. right now. We've yeah, got a, I'm yeah. working on an audio tutorial, kind of reminiscent of what we did for PacMate. I'm scripting and writing. I, I lost a bunch of stuff accidentally, and I'm now recreating the parts that I lost. <laughs> Always a horrible feeling. There is the manual available um, on our website. And um, again, that's, that is in step with uh, the unit availability. So the North American version is up there. And uh, we are working on tutorials. That's coming. It really is. So. Just about 10 days ago, Scott Erickson created the Elbrell users uh, email list. Yeah. And it has caught, it has just taken off. Uh, I don't know how many members are a part of that now, but for those of us who have just recently received our Elbrells, it's a great way to learn along with all the other user guides and conversations that. that There are a lot of strong users on that list, people who are Power Jaws users and have had their Elbrells for a while. And it's so, and especially, and Ron as well. So it's so cool for those of us who are brand new to the Elbrell to be able to ask a question and get almost immediate feedback. We try to, I try to have a presence there. And I I have to say that it, it plays second banana. Like I haven't today and yesterday I was prepping for the, uh, the training I did today for the the teachers and students and those kind of things. So you'll, you guys will see me on the list and then I'll disappear for a while. Then I'm back as I can do it. Um, and we've got some neat people. There's been some, some very good and very interesting interactions and some fun interactions. And I want to call somebody out. Um, I saw her earlier. Uh, Maria Christic was here. She may yep. still be here. And uh, yes. she is one of those people who uh, she blows me away. Anyways, I've sort of known Maria for, you know, and, um, I mean, we don't hang out together. I would, but, but um, I have known her off and on all the way back into the, uh, the PacMate days. But Maria did what I will recommend everybody does. Is she, she used her Braille display. I think she just did this because she's a Braille user. 
but she used her Braille display and JAWS and her, I assume her laptop, that might have been her desktop, and used the JAWS Braille in commands. And so when she transitioned to her L Braille, which remember is just Windows 10 and JAWS, she already knew the environment. I'm watching Maria post to the list telling people how to do stuff on the L Braille, and she'll say, well, I don't have an L Braille, but but she already knows the environment everybody's going to encounter on the L Braille. And we've got people like that out there who they may or may not have an L Braille yet, but they've used JAWS and Braille, you know, the Braille in uh, command set and that feature. And for all intents and purposes, you know, L Braille because it is Windows 10 and JAWS. So the list is great. It's a great help. I don't know, John um, or Larry, if you've got info and you want to share that later or not. But, yeah, we do. Um, we okay, do. because it's yeah. neat. It's it's amazing, too, because I talked to somebody yesterday who is a CCB member, and we talked about some other stuff. That's California Council of the Blind. And yeah. she and, and she uh, knew of us from FSCast and Tech Talk and, and Main Menu. And I told her about the Elbrilla. She said, oh, you know, I've wanted one. I don't have one yet, but could, but could you give me the information about the list? Because I want to learn. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that anywhere before, where people who don't even have the units still want to be a part of the list because they anticipate getting one. Yeah, absolutely. I hope when the COVID stuff is all over, I, you know, I, one of the things I do is I get to go out and do product demonstrations and training. So, you know, I'm hoping we'll, uh, we'll be somewhere near everybody at some point since we don't get to do hands-on for the conventions this year. You mentioned Braillein. Briefly yep. tell us what that, what that is. So Braillein is a JAWS feature that allows you, if you've got a focus Braille display, specifically, but some other Braille display manufacturers have included it in their drivers as well, the ability to do this. Uh, Braille in allows you to actually drive your computer from the Braille display. So your the original intent was that instead of reading Braille and putting your hands to the keyboard, reading Braille to the keyboard, read, type, read, type, read, type, which I used to jokingly say was a great aerobic exercise for a guy like me, but is not as time efficient. Uh, Braille in is a, a series of commands uh, done from the Braille keyboard and other controls on the Braille display that lets you keep your hands on the Braille display, both for reading the output and performing input stuff. Um, so you can do anything from entering text in a Word document to using the Control Shift Alt Insert F3 command, um, and you can do it right from the Braille display. Uh, it, it gives you that ability. So when the L Braille came up as a device, uh, you know, and it's running Windows 10, JAWS lent itself beautifully to that because you've got that whole whole complete, that's redundant. You've got that complete command set already built as JAWS Braille in. So that's what that's it. That's what that is. Larry, why don't you give the, the uh, list oh. information yeah. as long as we're talking uh, about And then we'll that. go to questions, right? And sure. we'll go to sure. questions, exactly, yeah. For, so for those of you who are anticipating you getting an L an Braille uh, or maybe would like to know more about the L Braille, there's some, some wonderful information on this list. There really is. So L Braille, by the way, on this list, if you were to want to subscribe to the list, you'd write E-L-B-R-A-I-L-L-E plus subscribe. That's the plus sign. That's the plus sign, not P-L-U-S. Pardon me. You're right. Yeah. At groups.io. At groups.io. Okay. That's all there is. So it's L Braille plus, that's the plus symbol, subscribe at groups.io. And that's all there is. And you'll get a note back from Scott Erickson, who was a long time. 
Oh, you just faded out. Yeah, Larry, you faded. Oh, sorry, I turned the wrong pot down. Time something, and away you went. Yeah, boy, you just kind of vanished there, Larry. <laughs> oh my gosh, Scott Scott Erickson is a longtime Jaws user, and uh, we had the chance finally to meet him. And that's one of the cool things about CSUN is meeting people you've con- contacted with and, and talked to over the years, and occasionally <laughs> having lunch. Yeah, yeah, we met him this year and had a long chat. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've got an interview that we did with him that we'll run on FSCast whenever that time comes. And Scott decided to create an Elbrell disc. And he did about, what, two, three weeks ago, maybe four? And it just, it took off. It just took off. And uh, congratulations. There's thousands to of messages up there already. Yeah. It's, yeah. And they're, it's and they're good. crazy. They're yeah. good messages. Yeah. And I will, if you want, I'll give you my contact info as well. If somebody's okay. got questions and understand that I will answer as quickly as I can. And, uh, you know, job, job duties and tasks come first, because if I don't do those, I won't be around to answer your emails. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you can reach me. It's, R. Miller, because my name is Ron Miller, so R-M-I-L-L-E-R. R. Miller at Vispero, and that's V. Victor, I, S like Sierra, P like Papa, E-R-O. R. Miller at Vispero.com. It's pretty easy. What's your call sign, Ron? N6MSA. What prompts? Oh, I said I was into radio. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. November 7, Foxtrot Delta Sierra for me. Awesome. Holy mackerel. Yeah. I'm just wow. getting. I'm getting a, a DMR radio for Father's Day. If you're on DMR, that I'll have to work uh, you on HF. You know, I haven't. Uh, I haven't had a handheld in a, in a while, and I'm looking at getting the new uh, Kenwood. Uh, uh, I don't have a Kenwood to be budget. Really, really sweet. Yeah, it's the 74A. I don't have the Kenwood budget. Yes, yes. I'm getting the. Uh, uh, I'm saving my pennies. Yeah. We'll see what you know. Maybe Santa <laughs> will bring one next year because it won't yeah. probably be this year. Well, you got a Hoyle 40 mic this year, so and, and equipment. Oh, so yeah, that's I spent enough though. money this year. Yes, I, my wife would yeah, kill me if I spent more money. Last year. And of yeah. course, Bob Hyle is also a ham. I would. He, he most certainly is. Absolutely. Yeah, is he really? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's been a stuff. ham since the 1950s. Yeah, hey, we got about we have, 15 can minutes. I, yeah. Can I? Yeah, yeah we have 15 minutes. And we've got. Can I oh, ask go ahead. the first question of Ron? Sure. Yeah, sure. Ron, can you explain to folks about two things? One is the Microsoft Wireless Display Adapter, and, and on 30, about 39, 40 bucks on Amazon, and Just how that me. might be beneficial with an L Braille and the new. Um, braille and text viewer and how teachers might benefit from from all of this okay let's do that so first things first and um the there is an adapter available from amazon and i searched my notes frantically for the uh for the uh, info on it and uh and didn't get it quickly if enough. you just if you just John, search you microsoft wireless display adapter you find it yeah, I it shows yesterday. up. It's, I found it. Okay, yeah, thirty-four dollars, I believe, on Amazon. But what's really nice about that is it uses Windows Miracast. It's M-I-R-A, el mismo como Mira, right? Windows Miracast, and um, it will let you connect wirelessly to a, to a monitor that has an HDMI port and a USB port, which most of them do now. HDMI for video input and the USB port for memory sticks you might put in with pictures and stuff. So it acts like an electronic picture frame. And uh, it's great because it is, I counted them, five keystrokes to get it connected. Very easy to do. I've already got a document ready. If anybody wants it, I'll send it and tell you how to do that. The document takes you step-by-step through it. And it lets you connect to any HDMI capable monitor wirelessly. So you're not stringing cables or for me, when I'm doing PowerPoint presentations to the HDMI capable projector which invariably is more than six feet from where I'm standing trying to present. So I'm stringing 
cables that are connected end to end all over the place. And uh, it gives you HDMI output and uh, it does it wirelessly up to 23 feet away. So um, that is what it is and what it does. Um, so it, it, is, it is very super useful because our current version, our shipping version does not include an HDMI port in the US market. And there were some reasons we had to do that. Um, we had not expected that. It didn't meet specific, it didn't meet our requirements for, for US and where we wanna provide the highest quality product we can. So the alternative to that is this HDMI wireless adapter for anybody who wants that. I know there are people hmm. saying, I'll never use a HDMI with this. I don't care. And I get it. Um, it's okay. You don't have to care. But for people who do, uh, that adapter is available. For VI teachers, other teachers uh, using the new Braille viewer, this is, this is awesome in a couple of ways. Um, some of the, uh, the, the, the smart boards will do HDMI input. And if you're working with a student, it would be really handy to be able to throw that image up onto the, uh, the board and look at it and look at uh, as they're brailing along in a document, you can see parallel the, uh, the braille and, uh, and, and Eric talked about this earlier. You see the braille dot pattern and you see the text, the equivalent text. So you can see what's going to be on or what is on their braille display. Um, for all of you VI teachers that can sight read braille, if you're a sighted VI teacher, I hope you can sight read Braille. It is a great tool to, uh, to see what your student is. Well, two things, what they're entering, but also you can see immediately what's under their fingertips without panning the display. So it's a great visual representation. Uh, and with the adapter, of course, you can throw it up onto one of the smart screens. Or I had one teacher, only one, who uh, her student would sit back and play games on their note taker. And she, she actually asked if we could have a wireless solution because she wanted to have the monitor at her desk <laughs> so she could just let it run and watch what her student was doing from his desk. So um, that, that counts uh, both of those for you, Eric. Awesome. Thanks. Excellent. Yeah. Rick, do we have some, some questions? questions? Yep. Yeah, we do. Phone number 2704, please. Hi. Uh, can you hear me, Ron? I Hi, can. Nancy. How are you? Hi, hi, this is hi, it's Nancy Unger. Hi. Yep. Uh, yeah, we had a, a good session in St. Louis two years ago. I like the 40 cell option, 32 cell, but why? Any is 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 Vispera working on a 20 cell version of this of this product? Of the Elbrale? Uh Not at this yes. moment. Not at this moment. But one never knows what may come down the pike. So um, I, I will say not today, and you know, not not in the, the near future. But I will not, cannot close the door to that. I know that 20 cells is a desired uh, size and product management knows that as well. Now, I would also say you mentioned 32 cells and many people ask, why not 32 cells? And uh, the reason is because a standard Braille line, if you're getting your books from Bookshare, from NLS Bard, the, the U.S. and Canadian standard, a bunch of us use 11 by 11 and a half inch paper, if you remember that stuff. And uh, that accommodates a 40 cell line. So if, oh, you, look okay. at 40, if you look at uh, in a 40 cell formatted books, your standard uh, uh, NLS books, for example, and you start to read them on a 32 cell display, you see a full display and a partially full display and a full display and a partially full display because you've got eight cells of stuff that need to be shown. So um, it is a it is a standard size. And it's also a you know, 40 cell Braille displays have been around Oh my, since the late eighties. Um, and it, it, it is, is concurrent with, you know, what's out there. So good question. Thank you. Sure. Thank you, Nancy. Phone mm -hmm. number six, seven, eight, please. Yes. Uh, this is Ed Roberts at Montana. I have a, a, uh, 
El Braille that I purchased uh, according to my records in 17. And uh, I'm not... I'm not a Braille reader, but I am a Braille inputter with uh, computer Braille. I think we Is spoke it easy before. to learn that? On, uh, uh, do I have to use that, that uh, Braille display, or can I get by without it? Well, okay, so can you use it without the Braille display? No. You've got the L Braille seat. So yeah, I have the Braille 14 so deal uh, what you Braille can display. Do? is you can leave you can leave jaw set to computer braille it there's no rule that says you've got to use contracted braille so if you're happy with computer braille just leave contracted braille turned off for input and output um and if you don't really care about reading the braille you can use it to input the braille and use speech output that's not a problem the l braille doesn't care how you use it so it that's perfectly fine do i have to have that uh, focus uh docked with the with the L Braille to use it, or no, uh, you, can you I... sure don't. You can plug a keyboard right into the USB port if you wish to. Okay, it's just it's Windows 10 and JAWS, so all those commands work just fine. I use an old Braille and speak for my note taker, and I've enjoyed that for years. Sure, uh, it's dying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of the yeah. bins off of a 640 that's been updated, and that the 2000s weren't as stable as a 640. Oh, okay, well, that's a that's a Let's see, that would be about 23 to 26 years old then. So it's it's giving you good service. Yeah, it has been. It's been real oh, good. Super. I appreciate the question, Ed. I think we Thank have time for much. one more. Okay. Yeah, Anisio, please. Hi, Ron. Can you hear me? I can. I haven't talked to you in a while. Go ahead. Yes, nice, nice hearing your voice again. And you uh, too. My question, my question was probably uh, answered, but I wanted if you could just briefly, again, for those of us who are uh, longtime Braille users and computer users and JAWS users, could you give us a, a, a good idea of why uh, this, this device would be helpful uh, to use instead of, say, my Braille display together with my Surface Pro? Together with your what? My Microsoft Surface Pro or laptop? Oh, that's a great question. So, you know what? It might not be better for you. Okay, it's not this is not this is a note taker and not everybody really cares about the note taker model. Remember, the, the point of the note taker is to have all of the tools that you need to do the things that you wish to do or must do all in one package. Long battery life, speech and braille output and braille input. Okay, and they, everybody, you want it in one box. If mm -hmm. you are content using a braille display in your Surface Pro, chances are I'm not going to convince you to spend the money that it would take to get yourself any note taker. The note taker model isn't what you really want. Okay. Mm -hmm. But for somebody who wants a note taker, who wants that all in one package with all of that functionality, the L Braille needs to be one of the devices that's considered when you're looking at note takers because of the fact that it's running windows 10, it's got all that built in flexibility. It's right, an operating right. system that a lot of people know. And jaws is a screen reader. A lot of people know, and it comes in that portable package and gives you 15 to 17 hours of battery life. I might add also for students, it's a great thing because you have continuity of platform all through school, starting in the early grades and all the way up into college. I'm getting, I'm getting comments and hearing comments from VI teachers about students who are transitioning to college or transitioning into the work market and they don't know Windows. They haven't had to learn it and use it. Uh, you know, they've had the access to other, other good note takers, but they get into uh, the rest of the world and uh, all of a sudden they've got to use Windows and they haven't learned it. This lets you use that operating system. It's still the most prevalent operating system. Uh, and there's, there's that continuity of platform throughout the grades 
up into high school and then into college and everything. This has been awesome. Thank you so much, Ron, for your time tonight. And of course, Eric and Rachel and Ryan and, you know, that Larry and everybody, it was, this has been absolutely terrific. And I, I really appreciate everyone's time and, and energy tonight. And especially you guests uh, who have been uh, listening tonight. Thank you. And all you listeners, thank you so much for, for your contributions. And we appreciate all of you guys out there. Yeah. We're going to be back next month where we're going to talk, you know, more technology and we're going to devote some of the time next month to the upcoming ACB convention so that we can get all of you ready so that any of you have any technology questions on how to access the convention and uh, all of that, whether you're using the a lady or one of the Google devices or, you know, your web browser, or Winamp, or whatever the case may be, we'll, we'll handle that for you. Plus, we'll have another guest with us as well, talking all about technology. Friday, so we're going to have a regular main menu that, that is the one that you've heard. It's a pre-recorded main menu, right? So that's Friday at the normal time. Yep. And then and then sometime next month, we got one more main menu anniversary show in us right. because we didn't actually get to everybody that we wanted to talk to. We ran out of month. Yeah, Those so what we're, we're going to do there is... Yeah. So what we're going to do there is we're going to bring back some uh, some people from uh, Main Menu who hosted the show. Yep. In fact, we have a recording from Jamie Pauls already. Oh, good. I he can't join us live, cool. but cool. Uh, he, we have a recording from him, and we're going to get Janine and Janine and, yep, and, and I'm trying, uh, trying yep, to get and maybe um, Dave Williams. Maybe we're going to try yeah, to get sure. him and and others. So we're 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 pulling that magic together, and that's going to be a fun one to to air in June. Yeah. So yeah. it's 20 years of Main Menu, and and we love and appreciate all you great listeners and and we really appreciate uh Vispero for being here tonight too and and all of their great work and of course their sponsorship for the convention and just the great work that they're doing it's just making a difference in people's lives and you know that's that's how magic happens it's just fantastic yeah thanks to uh to Rick who has been helping us on the board tonight and getting uh, people lined up to be able to talk to us and thank you to Debbie Hazelton, who has been streaming away over there and archiving stuff for us. This will go up on the main menu podcast feed. And we'll have that up in a, in a day or so after we do a little bit of editing on it. And then we'll, we'll get it up uh, for all of you. And we'll, uh, we'll have that happen. So again, thank cool. you so, so much. Larry and John, you guys are truly awesome. Thank you so much for all of thank your you. help. Thank you so and, much. Uh, you, so you, were you. One time we just, had about 50 people in the room and still 33. So still a good number of people in the Zerb room, plus all of those listening on ACB Radio. Yeah, and, we'll, and I'm sure Jason will have numbers for us after the show. Cool. So we'll, we'll see what that number looks like. Good. So, yeah, absolutely. And, yep, we're looking forward to uh, seeing Vespero come back during the convention and tell us even more great stuff. I'm really excited about that. So, again, thank you so, so much, everyone, for contributing. And for being here tonight, it's been a blast. We'll see you next month right here on Main Menu Live.